0: You're listening to Come Follow Me Weekly, a weekly podcast with thoughts and insights for the Come Follow Me lessons of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm your host, Heather Weber. Thanks for being here with me this week. This week's lesson is entitled Come and Partake of the Fruit, and it covers 1 Nephi 8-10. through Well, I finally made it back home. Just a quick update on my son. He's doing much better. He's been able to go to class and stay caught up on his homework He did drop one class so that his load this semester will be a little bit easier as he gets fully recovered over the next couple of weeks. And it's pretty tough because the semesters are only 14 weeks long, so if you aren't at your best for three or four of those weeks, it makes things hard. But he's glad he's there, he loves BYU, and I think that it's all going to work out okay. It's been crazy because I got back home and then my kids have been home for the past three days because of the weather. It's like halfway through January, and I don't think I've had a normal day yet. So I'm hoping at some point things will calm back down and I can have my normal life back. At the end of December, I was thinking about the lessons for this year and how that we're all going to be studying the Book of Mormon, that everyone in the church will be studying the Book of Mormon with their families. And I thought, first of all, that's great. Second of all, Satan is not going to like that one bit. And so I kind of wondered how this would go this year. And it's funny because I've heard people say that it's been a challenge and I don't doubt that it's going to be a challenge because it's so good and so important for us to do this. The Book of Mormon applies to all of us in our lives right now today and I just think it's great that we have an opportunity to study it like this this year. The opening paragraph of this lesson says, Lehi's dream with its iron rod, mists of darkness, spacious building, and tree with most sweet fruit is an inspiring invitation to receive the blessings of the Savior's love and atoning sacrifice. For Lehi, however, this vision was also about his family. Because of the thing which I have seen, I have reason to rejoice in the Lord because of Nephi and also of Sam. But behold, Laman and Lemuel, I fear exceedingly because of you. When Lehi finished describing his vision, he pleaded with Laman and Lemuel to hearken to his words, that perhaps the Lord would be merciful to them. Even if you have studied Lehi's vision many times, this time think about it the way Lehi did. Think of someone you love. As you do, the security of the iron rod, the dangers of the spacious building, and the sweetness of the fruit will take on new meaning, and you will understand more deeply all the feelings of the tender parent who received this remarkable vision. And I really like the idea of thinking about someone you love from the perspective of Lehi's dream. And isn't it so true that as parents, because we have life experience and we've gone through things before, sometimes we look at our kids and we're just like, just please come over here. Do it this way. But darn it, that free agency that we all have. And sometimes the best thing we can do is to let people learn from their own mistakes or to let them learn by trying things their own way. And that can be so hard. And I'm sure that Lehi just wanted so badly for his family to have the knowledge and blessings that he had. And yes, he's an ancient prophet, but he's also a dad who loves his family. And he's not that much different than any of us in that respect. This whole story of Lehi's family is also a pretty good commentary on parenting. Do you think that Lehi and Soraya were failures as parents because they had two sons who didn't accept what they'd been taught? I would say absolutely not. As parents, we have a responsibility to lead and to teach and to provide opportunities for our kids to learn and grow in the ways that they need to. But at some point, that free agency kicks in and people grow up and make their own choices. And at that point, it becomes our responsibility to love and encourage and to pray for the success of our kids. Parenting is just hard. (laughs) There's just no way around it. But for me, it's also one of the best and most rewarding things that I've ever done. And I've found throughout my life that the greatest and most important things in this life are the things that take the most work and sacrifice and constant effort. And I think that that's because those are the things that ultimately help us become like our Heavenly Father. And I think that we also find that lesson here within Lehi's dream. The first section of the lesson talks about how the word of God leads us to the Savior and helps us feel his love. And there's a quote by Boyd K. Packer that says, You may think that Lehi's dream or vision has no special meaning for you, but it does. You are in it. All of us are in it. Lehi's dream or vision of the iron rod has in it everything a Latter-day Saint needs to understand this test of life. So, Lehi's dream contains several symbols, and in the lesson, there is a little chart which lists those symbols. We have the tree, which represents the love of God, and the fruit of that tree, which is the love of our Savior and the blessings of His atonement. Then there's the river of water that symbolizes the depths of hell. There's the rod of iron that symbolizes the word of God or the gospel. And there's the mist of darkness that symbolizes the temptations of the devil, And then you have the great and spacious building, which symbolizes the pride of the world. And this is really kind of an introspective lesson in reading and studying and thinking about Lehi's dream. It's a good opportunity to see ourselves there and to think about where we see ourselves in relation to the tree and the iron rod and the great and spacious building. In Lehi's vision, he talks about four groups of people. And as we talk about these, maybe try and identify which group you find yourself in. One of the groups just went straight to the Great and Spacious Building. They thought that looked like a party, and they weren't really interested in anything else. And don't we see that in the world every day? There are lots of people who try to find meaning and happiness in worldly things. And then we have the group that was trying to find the path that led to the tree. And it says they were pressing forward. And to me, that denotes some sort of struggle. It doesn't say that they were strolling along or even just walking along they were pressing forward which to me seems more active like they were actively pursuing something but before they even got to the rod of iron they were overtaken by the mists of darkness or temptation and they lost their way in chapter 8 verse 23 it says and it came to pass that there arose a mist of darkness yea even an exceedingly great mist of darkness insomuch that they who had commenced in the path did lose their way that they wandered off and were lost. Elder Bednar gave a talk called Lehi's Dream, Holding Fast to the Iron Rod, and he says this about this group of people. He says, Notice that no mention is made in these verses of the iron rod. Those who ignore or treat lightly the word of God do not have access to that divine compass which points the way to the Savior, consider that this group obtained the path and pressed forward, exhibiting a measure of faith in Christ and spiritual conviction, but they were diverted by the temptations of the devil and were lost. I think that without that iron rod or the foundation of the gospel in our lives, if we don't get to know our Savior and have a daily relationship with our Heavenly Father or learn how the Holy Ghost speaks to us so that we can listen to it, we are essentially just relying on ourselves to navigate the challenges of this life. And in the end, just like this group of people, that's not going to get us very far. And then we have the next group that made it through the mist of darkness, and it says that they were clinging to the rod of iron, and they actually made it to the tree and took some of the fruit. But then they noticed the people in the great and spacious building who were pointing fingers and making fun of them, and they became ashamed, and they were also lost. In chapter 8, verse 28, it says, And after they had tasted of the fruit, they were ashamed because of those that were scoffing at them, and they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. So in the end, these people cared more about what the world thought than what their Savior and their Heavenly Father thought. Elder Bednar says this about this group of people. He says, it is significant that this group pressed forward with faith and commitment. They also had the added blessing of the rod of iron, and they were clinging to it. However, as they were confronted with persecution and adversity, they fell away into forbidden paths and were lost. Even with faith, commitment, and the word of God, this group eventually was lost, perhaps because they only periodically read or studied or searched the scriptures. Clinging to the rod of iron suggests to me only occasional bursts of study or irregular dipping rather than consistent, ongoing immersion in the word of God. And this group is the one that makes me nervous. (laughs) I feel like we have to continually watch ourselves so that we don't become one of the people in this group. It's so easy with the world that we live in to maybe occasionally just keep our pinky finger on the rod of iron while we might be looking longingly at the great and spacious building, wondering what's really going on in there. Or maybe we get distracted with the latest trends and we become so focused on them that for a while, we let go of the rod of iron completely And that can be so dangerous because that great and spacious building looks like a really good time. There's a lot of fame and celebrity and look at me kinds of things going on over there. And it appears to be fun and comfortable and easy. But in reality, when you get over there, all you really find is a big empty space that can never be filled. In chapter 8, verse 30, we learn about another group of people. And it says, he saw other multitudes pressing forward and they came and caught hold of the end of the rod of iron. And they did press their way forward, continually holding fast to the rod of iron until they came forth and fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. And I love how it says that they were holding fast to the rod of iron. They didn't let go. They didn't keep their finger on it while they were looking around, contemplating everything else going on. They pressed forward and kept their eyes on the tree. And that's how they made it so that when they got to the tree, it says that they fell down and partook of the fruit of the tree. And that says to me that their journey was long and it was hard, but that they were grateful to be there and they really appreciated what they had found at the end because they'd worked for it and they'd put in some effort to get there. And those are the kinds of people that we need to be. They were consistent. And I think being consistent in our prayers and scripture study and temple and church attendance and consistently saying no to things that don't uphold the same values that we have are some of the ways that we're going to get there ourselves. And there's just a lot to personally contemplate when we read about Lehi's vision of the tree of life. Going on in chapter 9, Nephi talks about how the Lord asked him to create two sets of plates. One set of records talks about the reign of the kings and the wars and contentions of his people, and then he says that the other set of plates contains a ministry of his people. And Nephi says that he doesn't know why he was asked to make two records. And then he says this, which I love in verse 6. He says, But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish all his works among the children of men. For behold, he hath all power unto the fulfilling of all his words. And thus it is. Amen. Nephi knew that he could trust the Lord, and he understood the fact that our Heavenly Father knows everything and prepares a way for us to do all the things that we're asked to do. And I have also seen this personally in my life over the past few weeks. A couple of weeks ago when we were ready to take our kids to Utah, and my son said his stomach was hurting, as we were deciding whether or not to leave, my husband gave my son a blessing. And in that blessing, my son was blessed that he would recover fully and with no complications, and that he would be able to do all the things that he needed to do. So we trusted that and we went to Utah and I really felt like my son was going to get better over that weekend. And that's part of the reason that we weren't too concerned about his condition, because we listened to that blessing and we thought that over the course of the next couple of days, he would be fine. So when it came to the point that my son's appendix ruptured and he needed emergency surgery, after the surgery, we were pretty confused. And I know that it really bothered my husband because he was the one who gave the blessing. And at that time, It appeared that what had happened was the exact opposite of what was said in the blessing. And then the next morning, my husband and I were talking about it, and we started to realize some things. First of all, if we had caught it before we even left home, and my son had stayed here to have the surgery, there's a really good chance that we would have just scrapped the whole semester, and that he would never even have gone down to BYU. And then on Friday, my son and daughter only had a four-hour window where they could pick up the keys to their apartments, And if we had been at the hospital during that time, that wouldn't have happened, and neither one of them would have gotten moved in. And because we were able to move them both in on Friday, my daughter was able to go to the new student orientation on Saturday, where she met some people who are now her good friends. And because of those friends, she's been given some social opportunities that she otherwise wouldn't have had. And because I was able to stay with my son for a week and drive him to class, by the time I left last Friday, he was completely caught up with all of his schoolwork even for his calculus class that meets every day and has six homework assignments a week. So in the end, my son has gotten better and was able to do everything that he needed to do, just like it was said in his blessing. And I know that the whole situation with him happened exactly the way it needed to, even though... We couldn't imagine how things were going to work out at the time, and I felt honestly so much guilt for him suffering like he did. He has a high pain tolerance, but my goodness, he walked around for two days with a ruptured appendix. I still can't believe that. But I know that we live in a mortal world and have very limited vision, but because of our Savior Jesus Christ, we are able to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father and He has eternal vision. He knows us, He loves us, and we can trust Him. And we see this same kind of thing again in chapter 10, where Lehi prophesies about Jesus and what will happen when he comes to earth. He tells about John the Baptist, he talks about Jesus being baptized, and about how the Jews would crucify him. And then he tells about how Jesus will be resurrected and also show himself to the Gentiles. And then he talks about the gathering of Israel, which we know is still going on today. And we can see that Lehi prophesied about all of these things, and every one of them has happened just like he said. And this shows me that not only can we trust our Savior and our Heavenly Father, but we can trust their living prophet to tell us the truth of the things that we need to hear. And thinking about that maybe puts a little more importance on things like General Conference and the things that are said there, other than it just being an opportunity to eat cinnamon rolls and have church in our pajamas. Do we really listen to our living prophet and try to follow his counsel? And then in chapter 8, verses 17 through 19, Nephi says this, And it came to pass, after I, Nephi, having heard all the words of my father, concerning the things which he saw in a vision, and also the things which he spake by the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received by faith on the Son of God, and the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, was desirous also that I might see, and hear, and know of these things, by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto all those who diligently seek Him, as well in times of old as in the time that He should manifest Himself unto the children of men. For He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto Him." For he that diligently seeketh shall find, and the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in these times as in times of old, and as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore the course of the Lord is one eternal round. Nephi has so much faith, but it's not blind faith. He didn't need to rely just on what his father said. He had his own personal relationship with Heavenly Father, and he knew that he could find out for himself if he had questions or if he was wondering if certain things were true. And sometimes I think in the culture of our church, we sometimes feel like it's bad to ask questions. Like maybe it shows that we're unfaithful or maybe like we're not supporting our leaders somehow. But here we have Nephi, and he's one of the most faithful people in the entire Book of Mormon. And he's doing that very thing. He wants to know for himself. And he has every right to ask questions and find out for himself. And I feel like our Heavenly Father is just thrilled with us when we take the time to talk to him and ask questions and have a desire to learn and to listen to the Holy Ghost. He loves us and he wants us to succeed. President Monson once said, I never cease to be amazed by how the Lord can motivate and direct the length and breadth of his kingdom, and yet have time to provide inspiration concerning one individual. The fact that he can and that he does is a testimony to me. And I also know that he can and that he does because I've seen it in my own life. I really have enjoyed studying this lesson this week. It's given me a lot of good things to think about. And I want to thank you for taking a few minutes to hear my thoughts about it. Don't forget that you can find me on Instagram at Come Follow Me Weekly, or you can email me at cfmweekly at gmail.com.